Hey, thanks for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We appreciate the support as always. In case you missed it, we have a newsletter coming out this August. And it's written by our resident funny man, so you know it's going to be fun and engaging. Justin, tell us more about it. Thanks, Nee. In this letter, I tell you everything you need to know about last week's episode in the rundown section, included with links from Tuesday and Friday's episode, another section of what to come, and my favorite part is the media fun stuff. In that, I tell you which movies you could watch on various streaming platforms if you liked what we had to talk about. Listen, fans, because no sport is left behind, it's important to know what's been happening with the Pro Sports Podcasters. By signing up for the weekly newsletter, we will have you front row center for every interview and analytic discussion. So do yourself a favor and sign up. The link is in the show notes. Be part of the conversation and enjoy some of the fun. Once again, we thank you for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Cabrera Ron, and this is our brother from Down Under, Nee Wallace-Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, and I'm joined as always by Kobe. Kobe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, buddy. And I'm very interested in the uh, interview we got ahead of us here. Yes, that's right. The Paralympics in Tokyo. Paralympics, if you don't know, they actually stand for Parallel Olympics because they typically run in tandem with the the Summer Olympic Games. So, without any further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest. He's been to not one, not two, not three, but this is actually his fifth Paralympics coming up in Tokyo. He is a swimmer who is going to be dominating in the pool for Australia, so I love to see it. The Dolphins are going to be doing their thing. It's Mr. Matt Levy. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, nice to be on, on the podcast. And yeah, it's great to um, chat to you guys this morning, tonight, or wherever you guys are. That's right. It's Sunday night here in Toronto, and you are in the future on Sunday morning uh, up in Cairns. So yeah. yeah, you're our first guest to catch us from the future. So we, we like that. <laughs> cool. So, mate, five Paralympics. How have, you, how have you been able to do that? How have you been able to, I guess, be durable throughout that period? That's a long time. Yeah, I guess uh, from my perspective, it's really finding something that I'm passionate about and knowing that I'm passionate about it, I guess, is the main focus for me. I guess I've always loved the sport of swimming and loved, I guess, competing. So I guess when I've kind of ticked those two boxes, all the rest is really easy. I guess you need to find improvement year on year, cycle on cycle. But I think for me, I guess if I have the passion, if I enjoy it, that kind of stuff comes easy. Uh, it's just a matter of, I guess, finding out ways to improve and ways to, I guess, keep ahead of the game and keep posting those qualifying times and winning those medals and all those kind of things. It obviously gets harder with age, but yeah, if you find enjoyment in something, it makes it a lot easier to find ways to keep improving and keep moving forward. No doubt about it. That's it. When there's the passion, that's where the growth happens. Yeah, I just want to get right into, so you compete in the Paralympics. Obviously, it's for the physically disabled in some way. What are your physical disablements? What are you basically having to deal with to become a champion swimmer? Yeah, so I guess I was born at 25 weeks, so pretty early in 1987. So I'm 34 years of age. I was born with cerebral palsy, which is a neurological condition. So for me, I guess it affects 
the way I move, how the the brain understands the muscles and and that kind of thing. So for me, I guess swimming has always been easier than being on land. And uh, as a consequence of being born early, I'm vision impaired as well. So I was put on oxygen early on in my life. So maybe day three or four, and that caused damage to the retina. So I guess I'm kind of dealing with a neurological condition, which uh, affects the muscles, but also a sensory condition, which affects the eyes as well, which makes it even more tricky. But I think you learn to deal with what you've got in front of you. And for me, I guess I've kind of, well, still learning, but I'm always learning to, I guess, adapt to what I'm doing. And whether that's, I guess, looking at the black line or or working out where I need to turn and all that kind of stuff, each pool is slightly different. So yeah, it's a continual learning process, which is good because I I guess I like to learn and grow and, and yeah, it kind of fits well with, I guess, what I kind of do day in, day out. I wouldn't have it probably any other way. It's really about finding things that I guess challenge me and challenge what I do and yeah something like that definitely is a challenge sometimes and yeah there's definitely never a dull moment. No that's that's amazing Matt and how early did you realize that you were adept at swimming? Uh, I guess for me I guess I started swimming for health reasons for therapy to I guess make my arms and legs move better than they did previously and I still do that today. I still swim mainly for health reasons and therapy, but I guess it's really just been a gradual process. I um, made my first team in in 03. I guess I kind of saw Sydney Paralympic Games in 2000, and that was kind of where I got the competitive bug and where I kind of wanted to train a little bit more than just swimming up and down for fitness and health. And I guess that's kind of where I kind of worked out that I could do this a bit more competitive and, and have, I guess, a, a bit more of a goal than just, just for health. So I guess that's kind of where it all started. And yeah, it wasn't one day I kind of decided to be good. It was just, I guess, starting with that goal of wanting to go to a Paralympic Games, not knowing if it was going to be possible or not. And then, yeah, kind of going through that process in my, my head and also physically as well to see where I was at and how I could potentially make that achievable. So, I mean, you've been going to physiotherapy since birth, basically, and at some point you decided to get competitive in this one endeavor. Was it something that was congruent with your your physiotherapy or, I mean, did, did you have to find a coach that was willing to work on that side of things or how did that come about? Yeah, I guess it's about finding someone that you connect with and someone that you kind of can help you on that journey. Yeah, it was really finding someone that kind of understood disability and and understood that kind of side of things but in in sport i guess paralympics is relatively new it's in its infancy the first games was back in uh, 60 60 odd so it's not like it's olympic sport where it's been around since 1800s as a proper sport so it's um yeah it's it's certainly there's not a lot of expertise out there and it's really for me i guess it was finding someone that understood me as opposed to I guess the disability side of things and I guess once I understood me I kind of coached them around what works for me what doesn't work for me and what we could potentially try and and not try and that kind of thing so it was really about a bit of a trial and error but at the end of the day I think it was finding people that wanted to be on that journey with me as opposed to someone that understood what I was going through because only I guess understand that side of things and yeah it was really about coaching the coach essentially. Nice nice. Yeah, just staying with the coach, it's it's ironic that this is a show that has Canadian and colored Australians because I believe your coach, Steve Badger, represented Australia and Canada back in the day. What's he been like as a coach and how long have you been working with him? 
I was with Steve for three years. I'm now a Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, so I've been there for 12 months. But you see, has definitely been a big part of, uh, I guess, the preparation leading up to the Paralympics. I started with him in uh, 2017 and trained with him up until COVID hit in the beginning of 2020. And it's definitely great to, I guess, get in his insights in terms of what it was like back when he was competing. And obviously he competed for Australia and Canada at Commonwealth Games and, and um, Olympics as well. But yeah, it's definitely been interesting training with many different coaches uh, in my career and yeah, just getting like the insights into how they kind of work because each coach, we all compete in a 50 meter pool. We all compete at Olympics or at Paralympics. You'd think it's the same, same. Different coaches have different ideas. Different coaches have different ways of working. So it's, yeah, it's certainly been interesting to have myriad of different coaches that have told me many different things, that, things I agree with, some things I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, it's all learning experiences I think yeah no doubt about it I guess that's no matter what win or lose it's all about the learning right even if you don't win you learn and that's that's a victory in itself now what would you say is your your pet event because I noticed that you've done freestyle but I believe you've done some other events as well in the pool yeah so I do a myriad of different events in in my time I've done 50 butterfly 200 individual medley I've done um, 50 freestyle 100 freestyle I do relays but I'd say like when it comes down to it, freestyle is probably my main, my main event. I guess that kind of has got me onto relays. That's got me as part of the relay teams. And um, this time around, I'll be in the 4x100 freestyle relay, 100 breaststroke and um, 50 freestyle. So predominantly freestyle heavy, top heavy uh, with freestyle. But um, in my career, I've done, I've won medals and done races in, in a myriad of different events, probably uh, not backstroke, but um, everything else. For sure. And Mate, the last the last Commonwealth Games were on home soil on the Gold Coast. You're in Queensland now in Cairns. What was that like being able to compete at a major event at home and not have to travel? Yeah, definitely. It's been it was fantastic. It was yeah. You never get like you don't experience that a lot in your career, and to be able to compete in front of your home crowd, in front of the people that you that have supported you virtually all the way, even if you haven't met them, was pretty fantastic. It was twelve or thirteen thousand people in the outdoor pool. Gold Coast and yeah it's an amazing feeling because a lot of people get that chance to compete in an international meet on their home soil and yeah I was lucky enough to do that handpacks later in that year um, and mm. also Commonwealth Games earlier in the year as well so yeah it's been it's pretty cool to be at the back end of your career and to be able to compete on home soil and show the fans I guess what you're capable of. For sure and just sticking with that in case our listeners don't know the Olympics and Paralympics come back to Australia in 2032. Brisbane has won the rights, so that's great for Queensland once again. How important is it, Matt, that uh, I guess not just Australians but people in the region see the games and how is that going to inspire the next generation in your opinion? Yeah, it's fantastic that Queensland got the bid 2032. Yeah, it's definitely great for young generations to see that and it'll help inspire, I guess, the next crop coming through. And yes, really to to see, I guess, inclusion, to see diversity, to see connection. And those kind of things are all really important moving forward because a lot of people see Paralympics and Olympics separate, but it's really a one and a half month carnival, basically. But to see, I guess, them as one. That's it. Um, not yeah. combined, obviously, whenever be combined because you limit the disabilities, you limit the sports and all that kind of thing. But having it known as one sporting event as opposed to separate, like moving forward, the Paralympics and Olympic Games can potentially form a bit of a legacy 
around that because, um, yeah, people do see it as separate. But at the end of the day, it's really the one sporting event. It's just two separate games. Yeah, they, they run parallel, no doubt. Yeah, How much time do you get to prepare for the team events leading up to this? Like how often do you get a chance to actually run through the 4x100 relay, say, with your teammates? Yeah, we do relay. Like this period of time in Kansas has been great because we've been able to do a lot of relay changeovers after the sessions and that kind of thing and get uh, a bit of a feel for how people do changeovers and um, when to like start moving on the block and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, this kind of extra couple of weeks has been good for that kind of preparation. Other than that, we don't get a lot of chances to do that. So um, every chance is great when we get that chance to have that opportunity to practice changeovers and practice all that kind of stuff because that's um, very important when you're doing relays and you're talking about 0.1 of a second and small amounts of time in the pool. And how important is it for you to leave like a legacy for others who are dealing with some similar physical ailments, that sort of thing? I guess it's not so much important to leave a legacy. It's more... For me, I guess it's showing, I guess, what I can do hopefully will leave a footprint and a understanding for people coming in the future. And I think uh, it's not so much leaving a legacy, it's more, uh, I guess, showing what we're capable of and showing how people with disabilities can do things and see things and um, become things that people would never expect. Not having, I guess, limitations on what we can do. Yeah, just um, treating us as normal human beings. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. How have you seen sort of the appreciation and growth of the Paralympics from the first time you attended to now? Yeah, well, I guess when I first attended Paralympics, it, uh, there was no social media. I didn't have a mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, and we had to use, I guess, SIM cards to call our parents and family and that kind of stuff. So to walk into Tokyo this time with mobile phones, seven or eight or nine, or depending how many social media accounts you have, and a lot more media, um, I guess it's definitely changed a lot. For the better, I guess, and the worst. Um, I guess to have more exposure, to have more uh, visibility is great. But um, yeah, I guess I think sometimes it is over, over visible and over oversaturated with all that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, definitely... It was easier times and less stressful times when you, when I walked into zero four, like people knew what you were doing, but they didn't know how you went and all that kind of stuff till maybe a, a couple of hours post the, the event. And uh, yeah, you couldn't automatically just like put something on social media and that kind of stuff. So I think it's definitely changed a lot in the 20 years since I, since I started, but yeah, it's just really about adapting and being able to understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I guess having an open mind because yeah, change is good. But uh, yeah, it's just a matter of accepting that and kind of understanding that some people like the change, some people don't. Doing what you do and what you feel best is for you. Nice, nice. And when, when you're not in the pool, uh, what do you like to do outside of it? So I work at a, one of the big four banks in Australia. So I'm a project manager on one of our programs uh, at Westpac. And yeah, I, I have a day job per se. So um, I guess since COVID hit, everything's been remote. So I've been able to do my day job pretty easily, be able to still train full time as, as an athlete and also work as well. And I think I'm saving around 15, 16 hours of travel time per day, Yeah, uh, which is great. But yeah, that's, I guess, my day job and what I'm not doing when I'm swimming and training and competing. And yeah, like definitely with those two things um, keeps me busy. And how many hours a week do you spend actually training in the pool? Around 30 
four-ish hours per week. Um, wow. So we train four hours a day, so two sessions a day. And then we have physio and massage and stuff on, on top of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, around the 30-odd mark, I'd say. Yeah, it's a pretty intensive schedule. Yeah, yeah, and doing something related stuff. Nice. Let's talk about when you received the Order of Australia Medal, because that is not, that is not a small deal. That's a very big deal. That's the, that's as big as it gets, right? Yeah, because uh, Australia and Canada they don't dish out knighthoods anymore, but the OAM is the next best thing. So we should kind of be calling you Sir Matt Levy. But take <laughs> us through that. <laughs> yeah, I guess the OAM is is yeah, it's um the one of the levels of honor that they give in Australia. So yeah, it's pretty pretty special. It's signifies that I guess you're acknowledged, you're respected, I guess, in Australia and um, not everyone gets that honour. And Yeah, it's really proud to be known for my services to the community and services to sport and yeah, it's um, really been something really special that I'll um, never forget. Yeah, that's awesome. That's something to really aspire to, honestly. Like you said, it's not something that everyone receives. So that's, I tip my cap, sir. I tip, I tip my cap to you, Mr. Levy. <laughs> Thanks. That's a big effort. That's beyond aspirations, really. It, right. It's That's... not something you you think of as a kid. Maybe when I get older, I'll win the the Order of Australia medal. It's it's something that happens in your life for having done what you wanted to do, anyways. It's it's incredible to get it because it's it's not something people would really aspire to. Yeah, exactly. It's it's more, I guess, just going on doing what you do in life and and. Um... And doing it to such a level that you get recognized for it. Yeah, doing it. It's amazing. Extraordinary level. (laughs) Did you did you know it was in the works? Did you did they give you a heads up that you were being considered, or just one day you find out? Uh, you get six months advance notice, kind of. Okay. Like, like, obviously not meant to tell like friends and family and that kind of stuff, but I guess so. There is sort of notice, but I guess the process of submitting application and that kind of stuff is done by whoever wants to really as long as they have references and all that kind of stuff so i think the sport did that and uh yeah it was through the sport i think that that nominated myself and a few other people but yeah you don't obviously know if you're being nominated or or, all that kind of thing it's just a process that happens Mm, it's awesome and i guess you could say you got there by keeping your head above water which just happens to be the title of your book (laughs) which you released in 2020 so you're definitely going to have to tell us about that. Yeah, so that's um, pretty simply. It's just a, really a book about my success framework and just kind of what has been able to keep me ahead of the game. And it's, it spells out seven principles of success that I've kind of lived by. And yeah, it really kind of typifies what I do and, and what I want to, I guess, leave from a legacy perspective. And the concept can be put into any kind of facet of your life, whether it's sport, business, personal. It's yeah, just a matter of, I guess, adapting the concept to what you do. And for me, I guess it gives a bit of examples of what I've done throughout my life. And puts it into, I guess, a neat little seven-tier concept for the readers to read, and it's easy to understand. Fantastic! And mate, the last eighteen months or almost two years now have been pretty rough globally. Canada, we've been through the third wave. We are heading for the fourth wave of the coronavirus. From what I've been seeing and reading in Australia, the Delta variant is starting to move through the East Coast a little bit particularly in Sydney. What are some words of advice that you would pass on to those who are experiencing lockdown or are about to go into lockdown? And 
I guess, how can they keep their heads above water in these times? Yeah, it's it's difficult, especially in Australia as well. We're having a couple of waves of Delta. Yeah, it's really for me, I guess, in the lockdowns, it's really about finding out new skills and really kind of working on what you can. I guess in the in the lockdowns, I've tried to work on new new skills, whether it's mental, whether it's physical. I think you can do a lot in in these kind of times. It's just a matter of being positive and and staying positive because yeah, it's it's not not great like. Um, in Australia, we're having, having lockdowns and people can't leave their homes or post five kilometres uh, from their homes. And yeah, it's really difficult. But I think if you can learn new skills, if you can understand new things about yourself or, or do things better in this period of time, then you hopefully be out of this on the front foot, so to speak. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all we can do. Just look, try and look forward and try and see what you can do to make yourself productive and make yourself add value to I guess, yourself in this period of time. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, it is a restricted time. No matter where you are, there is some level of restriction in life. But at the same time, there are still opportunities. But I guess it's having that open mindset to see what's available and see what can be achieved so that when this thing does eventually end, you can look in the mirror and say, hey, this is what I was able to grow or improve on in that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this podcast is in part, a result of the pandemic. It was something we realized we could do remotely and do it effectively remotely. So it's in part one of the reasons why it began. But I think, yeah, there there are opportunities to be had if you see them. But I think for a lot of people, the pandemic itself has caused such a, a depressed state that it's hard to motivate. And your book is primarily about self-motivation, correct? Yeah, definitely. And I think it is what you make of it. And yeah, it like gives you some kind of tips to move you forward. And yeah, it's definitely about self-motivation. Take from it what you can, but um, definitely gives you a bit of a understanding and from experience. And did you have a mentor of sorts that kind of coached you along in the beginning? I guess everyone kind of I meet is kind of a mentor in a way. And my parents were a big factor in, I guess, instilling uh, beliefs and values and that kind of thing yeah. in me. And uh, it's learning from people that I meet and, and kind of understanding how they work and learning from bits and pieces during that journey. Now, would you be the sort of senior most swimmer on the team? Yeah, I'm 34. Yeah, I'm the oldest on the Australian swimming team. Is there anyone left on the, the team that was with you in your first Paralympics? Uh, no. No. So, okay. So the four by 100 relay, what's all new, new people except for yourself? Uh, yeah. So we got two, two people at their first games, uh, me, my fifth, and then another, and, and two people at the second. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to tell us the times or anything, but how, how is this team compared to previous teams? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I think we've got a good chance and yes, yeah, it's a matter of putting it all together on the day. And we don't know what the other countries have been doing and all that kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah, so it's like we could be the fastest team we've ever that has been ever produced, but yeah, you don't know what anyone else is doing. So it's just um doing the best we can. And outside of the, I mean, of course, the pandemic's caused problems as far as competition goes. But before that, how often would you compete in a year? Maybe four or five times. Okay. In a year? Yeah, all told. And do the teams change much from uh, competition to competition, or are you usually coming across the same people? Yeah, usually coming across the same people. They might be fitter or not in various stages of fitness at those various meets. But yeah, you come across the same people. Okay, so then you kind of know what to expect 
to a certain degree at the Paralympics this time around? No, because no one's really competed on the international stage since 2019. So um, there's been like small meets here and there, but no one's really been like fully tapered and ready to race and that kind of stuff. So it's, oh, okay. Wow. That All actually right. that makes it kind of even more interesting to a certain extent because you have no idea who the favorites are. I guess the cameras will be on everybody. Pretty much, yeah. It's just uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting, and yeah, it's just good to race. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting dynamic because there'll be there'll just be like the athletes and the coaches, and there won't be any fans. It'll be this will be your first Paralympics where you'll be swimming without fans, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely. But um, they'll have crowd music and stuff, so you kind of feel like you're at some kind of atmosphere. And I think the atmosphere is what you make of it anyway. So I think for me, I guess being vision impaired, you don't see the crowd anyway. But um, yeah, you'll still hear crowd noises and that kind of stuff. And yeah, you'll, you'll still be able to race fast and, and do all that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think having no crowd won't worry anyone too much. That's the thing. That's I mean, I know you swim as you get up at four or five in the morning. You make a noise <laughs> no matter what time of day it is. So you'll be, you'll be bringing the noise in the pool, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. That's the goal. I look forward to seeing you on the podium, by the way. Ah, thank you. I'll be watching out for you. And are there any charities and such that you're associated with that you support? Yeah, so I'm an ambassador for Life's Little Treasures, which is a charity that supports premature birth. Okay. So I've been with them since 2011. And then, yeah, I'm I'm a member of a lot of other charities as well that I support disability and health related and i'm also on a few disability boards as well so um yeah i've got a few bits and pieces that i do but you are a spokesperson for life's little treasures yeah so i do support them and i guess promote my experiences and what i've done and nice nice yeah mate so where can our listeners find you on social media i'm on uh linkedin under matt levy oam and also on other socials, such as Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And I also have a website, www.mattlevyoam.com.au. So, uh, yeah, you can find me um, on all those mediums. Um, and my book is also available on that website as well. But um, I guess for your Canadian and US viewers, um, it's also um, available on Amazon as well. There we go. Mate, I know it's almost lunchtime in Cairns, <laughs> but we appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? No, no, all, all good. Um, I think it was great to be part of the podcast and um, I look forward to the polished version. 